I don't know if any of you have ever seen uh, Despicable Me 1, and because I have five kids, I've seen a lot of cartoons in my life. But one of my favorite parts ever from Despicable Me 1 was when they're at the fair and Gru's just starting to like his, his adopted kids. But they're at the fairgrounds, if, you, if you've seen that movie. I don't know if you've ever been to the fair. And, and many of us as kids, how many felt like they cheat? They don't want me to win. They want to take my money, but you're never going to hit that basketball shot, right? You're never going to knock that thing over. And so these girls are shooting this little circle thing. It's like a universe, a despicable me one. And she hits it, but it doesn't get knocked over. So Gru's standing there, he's like, wait a minute. And he knows that this guy is cheating. And so, again, you got to Google it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it because it is the best part of the movie. And so Gru pulls out his fired gun and he shoots and he knocks this thing over. And then he looks at the girls and says, knocked over. Best part of the movie ever. So this morning my title is called Knocked Over. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to 1 Samuel 28. We're going to start in verse 3. Thank you, Daniel. <coughs> Meanwhile, Samuel had died. And all Israel had mourned for him. He was buried in Ramah in his hometown. And Saul had banned from the land of Israel all the mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead. The Philistines set up their camp at Shunem, and Saul gathered all the army of Israel and camped at Geboah. When Saul saw the vast Philistine army, he became frantic with fear, and he asked the Lord what he should do. The Lord refused to answer him, either by dreams or by sacred lots or by the prophets. Saul then said to his advisors, find a woman who is a medium so I can go ask and ask her what to do. And his advisors replied, there is a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself by wearing ordinary clothing instead of his royal robes. Then he went to the woman's home at night accompanied by two of his men. And he says, I have to talk to a man who has died, he said. Will you call up his spirit for me? Are you trying to get me killed? The woman demanded, you know that Saul has outlawed all the mediums and all who consult the spirits of the dead. Why are you setting a trap for me? But Saul took an oath in the name of the Lord and he promised, as surely as the Lord lives, nothing bad will happen to you for doing this. Finally, the woman said, well, whose spirit do you want me to call up? Call up Samuel, Saul replied. And when the woman saw Samuel, she screamed, you have deceived me, you are Saul. Don't be afraid, the king told her, what do you see? I see a God coming up out of the earth, she said. What does he look like? Saul asked. He's an old man, wrapped in a robe, she replied. And Saul realized that it was Samuel and he fell to the ground before him. Why have you disturbed me by calling me back? Samuel asked Saul. Because I'm in deep trouble, Saul replied. The Philistines are at war with me and God has left me and won't reply by prophets or dreams. So I have called for you to tell me what to do. And Samuel replied, why ask me since the Lord has left you and has become your enemy. Last verse. The Lord has done just as he said he would. He has torn the kingdom from you and he's given it to your rival David. The Lord has done this to you today because you refuse to carry out fierce anger against the Amicalites. What's more, the Lord will hand you over to the army of Israel, over to the Philistines tomorrow, and you and your sons will be here with me. The Lord will bring down the entire army of Israel in defeat. You know, as we kick off today in today's Halloween, I wanted to pick kind of a scary story in the Bible, which is a little awkward. But what is the scariest thing that you've ever faced? So as I Googled what is the scariest thing for people, one of the number one things that scares people to death is the fear of being social. 
For some people, social interaction, it is deathly scary and frightening. For some, it's the fear of heights, fear of flying, they don't want to get on a plane. Spiders, thunder, lightning, being alone. For some people, being in crowded places, confined spaces. Some people are scared of blood. Some people are scared of water. Some people are scared of the dentist. I don't know why. It's that drill. Some people are scared of snakes. Now here's my fun, I love these. These are the best. Some people are afraid of the bathtub. And how about you? Maybe we were all, when we were little, some people actually have a fear of the bathtub. Some people have a real fear of peanut butter sticking to the top of their mouth, so they're just not going to have peanut butter. Some people are afraid of math, right? That's the next one. You know, if we were to go back to school, we could tell our teacher, I have a real fear of math. I can't do it. I'm sorry. Can you excuse me? Some people are afraid of hands. Some people are afraid of newspapers. Some people are afraid of balloons. And believe it or not, some people are afraid of belly buttons. Now, that's a serious one right there. Now we get a little more deeper. Some people, and this is one of the biggest, fear of failure, fear of uncertainty, fear of loneliness, fear of change, the fear of the loss of freedom, which many are fearing today, fear of being judged, the fear of getting hurt, the fear of being inadequate. Have we ever felt that? Have we ever felt that we were inadequate in what God asked us to do? So many different fears out there. It was funny though, because I remember last time I Googled fears, there was two that came up and one was afraid to lose somebody, right? Which is horrible and, and tragic. And the second, they used to say the fear of public speaking. And, and those two used to be the biggest fears. But as time has gone on and as the, the earth has become more populated, there are so many more fears today than ever. People are afraid. So as we get into this story, we see that it says that God refused to speak to King Saul. And if you know who King Saul was, King Saul was the very first king of the Jewish people. The Jewish people, they left Egypt and they moved towards the promised land. And as they get into the promised land, the Jewish people, they're looking around and they don't have a king. See, God had, had used the Jewish people to show a symbol of, of what he wanted. And God was the king of the Jewish people. So as they moved in the promised land, they did not have a man who was the king. They had a prophet who was Samuel. And they had many different prophets along the way. But as the Jewish people looked around, they saw all their neighbors. And as they're looking at their neighbors, they all had kings. And so they went to the prophet and they said, listen, we want a king. We want a man. We don't want a God to be our king. We want a king, right? And so they go through this whole process and God gives them the very first king. His name is Saul. And Saul, he's young and he's tall and he's handsome, just like Sixto, right? He is ready, he's, he's awesome. Does a great job at first. But at some point in becoming the king of Israel, he started to become afraid. He was afraid to lose his kingship. And then he started as a king, he started to become afraid of the army, even his own army. And everything that he did, there was so much fear that surround him, fear everywhere. And at one point, God comes to Saul and he says, listen, I need you to go destroy these people. They were very evil. They were gross. They were evil. And so he says, I need you to go and destroy the people. Saul didn't do it. He destroyed most, 
but he didn't destroy all of it because he said he was afraid of what his guys would think. And so God said, because you can't carry out my task, I have turned my heart from you and I'm going to give the kingship to somebody else. And so in this story, we see Saul struggle over and over and over again with what the number one thing was fear. And as he's struggling with fear, he's praying and he's asking God because now he's about to go to war again. And if you're a king and you're leading your, your army into battle, you want to know that God is with you. You want to know that it's not just you and your men, but you also have God on your back, God in your back. He's watching your back, right? You want to know that there's spiritual help, right? And so as he's in this battle, he's praying and he's asking and he's doing everything that he's supposed to do. But there was one problem. It says that God refused to answer him. And so this morning, you know, as we think about praying and listening, I don't know how many of us, you know, pray for one thing and, and just saying, God, please, can I win the next lotto when it gets to be 650, you know, million. Many people out there, they shoot up those arrow prayers where it's, I need that. I need that lottery. I'll, you know, I'll give some to charity and then I'll buy 300 cars and I'll do this and I'll do this. But sometimes there's times when we pray and just like Saul in the story, and God doesn't answer. One of the greatest things, how many people around the world and not just in prayer, how many people have questioned the reality of God? Is God real? And so they try to talk to God and say, God, are you there? And God, if you're there, answer me. God, if you're really real, God, give me a sign. God, if you're, if you're out there, God, if, if you're real and if the story's real and the cross is real, God, just give me one sign. And so for some people, God does answer. And other times, God does not answer. And silence is one of the hardest things to deal with. And so sometimes, why does God not answer our prayers? Number one, in Saul's case, is because he was disobedient. In Saul's case, there was sin and he chose that sin over God. For Saul's case, he had a rebellious heart because he was afraid. See, the fear led him to be rebellious. Now, when we were in high school, rebellion was cool, right? It was awesome to be rebellious against our parents and, and give our parents gray hair. But you know what happens? You become a parent and then you get gray hair. It's horrible. It's horrible. Saul had a rebellion towards God because the fear had drove him to do, to not do what's right. Sometimes God's silent because we're praying actually against his will. We're saying, God, I need this, I need this, I need this. And God's saying, no, if I gave you this, it would be all bad for you. God sometimes is silent because he's looking for us to be more persistent when we pray. When we pray, that, not just that once a year prayer at Christmas time, you know, I want to see Santa Claus, I want to see him come down the chimney. God wants to see us pray more persistently. And so sometimes God's silent. Sometimes God wants to use a situation to teach us a lesson. And so sometimes there's silence in the situation because he wants you to learn something. Jeremiah 29 talks about, God says, if you want to seek me and find me, you have to seek me with all your heart. And when you seek me with all your heart, then you will find me. Now, how many of us have ever been in love before? Raise your hand. Unless you don't want to admit it. But typically, when you love somebody, the person, they want to know that you really love them, right? And especially if you're going to get married, right? It's one thing, you know, back in the old days, I used to, you know, you love working with junior hires because when they see somebody, they always say, oh, I'm in love, right? And, and we all know in junior high, you're not in love. Come on, come on. The junior high age, 
they, they, they go from relationship to relationship. And they're not really relationships. They just say they're going out with somebody. But I love this guy. I love this girl. And so every week there's a new boyfriend, there's a new girlfriend, and I love them. That's not really love. When you love somebody, you want to give your heart to that person and you want that person to give their heart back. You don't want to be in a relationship or in a marriage or in any kind of relationship where there isn't a full heart, right? And I'll explain it this way. The eagle, how many of us love watching eagles? And the eagles are crazy and amazing. And so when a, when a girl eagle wants to find her mate, she flies around, she, she finds, you know, when she finds a guy who's checking her out and she's like, oh, maybe this is the one. What she does is she takes a twig and she drops it. And she sees if the male eagle goes down to get it. And if he brings it to her, she's like, okay, all right. He's trying a little bit. He's trying a little bit. So then what does the girl eagle do? She takes the twig or stick or whatever it may be. And she goes even higher. And then she drops it again. And then she sees if the male eagle will go down even farther. He's got to work even harder to get that twig and then bring it back to her. And she does this until she's comfortable knowing this dude likes me. And when she has that level of trust, that female eagle is ready for a relationship. See, sometimes with God, God is a total gentleman, right? God doesn't demand that we love him, seek him, doesn't demand, he's not demanding. Now I'm demanding, right? We as people, we're demanding, we're the ones who are a little bit crazy, but God's not like us. God is different. God is loving. God is kind. God says to you every single day, I love you. You're amazing. You look beautiful. You look handsome. You look more stronger today than you did yesterday. God is being kind to you. And he's just waiting for a response. And he sits there and he just waits. And he doesn't demand a relationship. But the minute you want to say, is God really real? A lot of times there's silence because your heart doesn't really want to know. It kind of wants to know, but ah. But for people, if they want to find God in a real way, if they want to seek God in a real way, if they really want to know, just like in a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife relationship, if you really want to see how deep and amazing God is, you got to give him your full heart. In this story, God refused God gave the red light to Saul. And it was because there was so much fear in his heart that caused him to be rebellious, that caused him to be fearful. And it started to become so big that his fear became larger than his faith. For Saul, he looks at the army and the first thing that he does that he's about to face is he gets scared. You know, how many of us know the old days, you know, the armies, it's much different than it is today. You know, when kings and generals, you know, would go out and they'd be in the battle and they'd be on the front lines. And how many of us know most of our, if there was battles today, we'd prefer just to hit a button and send a plane, right? Let's just hit a button, send a plane. But in the old days, men who were leading the charge, they were there. They were visible. They were right there on the front lines. And so for the king, he sees this enemy that he's about to face and it's much bigger than his army. It's nothing like going to war. And you're seeing, oh my gosh, wow, this dude's about to kick my butt. It's like, you know, in the old days, and I always say junior high, I don't know why. I guess I like my junior high days. But how many of us remember the junior high and when there was fights sometimes, it would be like, meet me at the bike racks after school. You know, and you go to the bike racks and it's not just the kid who wanted to fight you. It's like four of his friends. It's like, wait a second here, right? This is how Saul felt. 
there was a war and there was a battle. And so as he gets there, he sees there's just no way. There's just no way. What am I going to do? There is no way. And so his heart once again becomes so consumed with fear. And this morning, I want you to think about, is there anything that you've ever been afraid of? And how many of us know that in our fear, it's not that that fear is there all the time, but there's situations and there's people who bring that fear back to light. You know, when we were little, most of us, at least me, I used to be afraid of the dark, right? I didn't like to be, especially if it was, you know, your older siblings and they're playing tricks on you and they turn off the lights and then they freak you out. You know, it's one of those, I don't know if this happened to you, but I can remember when I was young, hanging out with my older siblings and friends and then they turn on scary movies. I can remember having nightmares for a long time. You know, Nightmare on Elm Street, that was freaky as a kid. You know, it was back in the day, I was freaked out of my mind. I didn't want to be in the dark. That guy with crazy fingers is going to come for me, right? But as we get older, fears transition. We realize, okay, that wasn't really real. But then there's other fears. And the fears that I described in the beginning, that the fear of failure. You know, when you get married, and I've married in almost 25 years, five kids, you know, I'll never, ever forget the very first time that we had our first son, Micah, in Chicago. And the minute you have your first child, and for me, it was, wow, I had now have, you know, a son. And now he's my responsibility. And so for a man, I can, I can remember feeling, I don't want to fail, you know, my wife. I don't want to be a failure for my son. And, and, you know, as your family just grows and grows and grows, you know, as a man, it's one of those fears that sometimes we deal with is we don't want to fail for our families. We want to provide and we want to be there. And so fears change over time. And the most important thing that I can say this morning about fear is important. It's not that we hide it. It's not that you cover it up. And it's better to be real about your fears than to keep them to yourself. Because sometimes fears that are kept to yourself, they're going to destroy relationships. Fears that are kept to, your, to our own selves, they destroy the people who are around you. Fear is still a problem today. And I think all of us in this room deal with fear at some level. And some of them, sometimes there are certain fears that are okay. But it's what at level you deal with that fear. And so for Saul, he dealt with people and he was afraid of people. And so fears would come and then fears would go. And so as he sees this army, he freaks out once again and the fear comes running all back over and he's realizing, oh my gosh, here we go again. The hardest part for Saul, and if you ever read through the Bible, what I love about the Bible, some of the old stories, there was times where God would come through and he would have the Jewish people, they're ready to fight. And then God would come through and he would just knock the entire army out. They didn't have to do anything. And so there's times that the Jewish people, they saw God do miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. God would cut down the army and there would be 100 men, 200 men. And they would go down and they would take out whole armies because God was giving miracles to the Jewish people. And so for Saul, he saw God provide miracles. He saw God do amazing things. But at this point, he was at a point where he was battling this on his own. That's a tough spot. Have you ever battled anything on your own where you felt, I'm alone in this situation? No one is here. No one's listening to me. This that I'm dealing with right now, it's just on me. This is where Saul was. He was battling through, I am trying to be the best king. 
I'm trying to be the best guy. I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to do that. But for him, because God wasn't answering, he was all on his own. And this is one of the scariest, worst places that you can be. God wants you to know that you're never, ever, ever on your own. If there's anything that you're battling through, and maybe it's not fear. You know, sometimes some of us, we deal with anger. I get angry once in a while. How many of us know? I was with somebody last week who he said he still sometimes in the car will get cut off by somebody and he gives them the universal sign for hello and, and you know, cusses them out. Some people on the freeway, it just brings out the worst in us. That's why I let my wife drive. So when we're on the freeway, we went to the beach yesterday in Newport and I hate traffic. I hate being in traffic. It's so nice that I have a wife who'll drive so I can just sit there and be happy and play music and she drives and she has to deal with traffic. But anyway. You're never battling life on your own when God's on your side. You're never battling on your own. If there's fear, if there's anger, if there's failure, if there's loneliness, if there's depression, if there's addiction, when God is with you, if God is for you, you will never have to battle through anything on your own. Saul, because he was a good king, says he got rid of all the mediums and the people who consult spirits in this time. And as he could not hear from God, what did he do? He said, you know what? I need to talk with, in some places she's called a witch or a medium or someone who consults spirits. And so he says, I got to find somebody who can help me. I need to get through to Samuel. Samuel's dead. The prophet who used to help King Saul, he's dead, he's gone. And so Saul is so freaked out. He is so desperate that the people the ladies, the men that he got rid of and he pushed them out of town, the mediums and the spirit consultors, he got rid of those people. But now he was so desperate, he thought maybe they're the only ones who can help me. So he consults with this lady. And how many of us have ever heard desperate times call for desperate measures? Have any of us ever heard that? Desperate times call for desperate measures? Most of us in our life have made a few mistakes because we're desperate. Most of us, and I can think of many of my mistakes made out of desperation. When it seems like no one's here, no one's going to help me. I have no idea how I'm going to get through this. The desperation always, mostly, leads us to do the wrong thing. And that's exactly what Saul does. He consults with a medium. And instead of desperate and taking matters in our own hands, desperate times don't call for desperate measures. You know what desperate times call for? Desperate prayers. And praying desperately. And getting on our knees and praying and crying out to God. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. For Saul in this story... He hears one of the horrible and worst things that you could hear from God is, is the prophet comes up and Samuel comes up. He gets a word from the Lord and he gets a word from, from Samuel the prophet. And he tells Saul, hey, you shouldn't have done this. Tomorrow you're going to fight in the war and you're going to die. And you and your sons will be here with me. One of the worst things. I can't imagine talking with someone and the only thing, and you're, you're hoping for a good answer, and you're hoping that 
I've been desperate and I'm, I'm trying to do all that I can. And so in this situation, he's thinking, in Saul's mind, he's thinking, I'm doing what I have to do. I'm doing what I, what I think is right. And I'm, I'm trying to consult with somebody who used to help me and he used to be there for me. And I'm doing my best. I'm doing the best that I can. And then to hear one thing, tomorrow you're going to die. You know, one of us, how many of us have ever thought, how am I going to die? How will my past in this life, you know, how will my kids go? One of the scariest things to think about, you know, in the last couple of years we see with COVID and, and all the lives that, you know, COVID has taken. And it's a sad and it's a tragedy of all the people that we've lost from this, from this one thing. And it makes us wonder how many of us have thought, you know, and plus obviously as the older, younger we get, some of us start to wonder, how will I go? What will be the way that I pass in this life? What will it be? For Saul in this story, he knew exactly, you're going to die tomorrow. You're going to war. You're going to lose. All your men and your sons are going to be with you. I picked this story this morning because it's Halloween. You can turn to your neighbor and say, happy Halloween. Such a happy message this morning. Happy Halloween. Yes. <laughs> you know, for, for a king who's lost, panicking, and he goes into the night to see a witch, there's many today who innocently, and I'm not saying, I'm not putting Halloween down at any, any, in any way, but many people today will go out innocently and they'll celebrate spirits and witches and evil. And I just want to share one, one thing. We have to be careful. There, I believe that in our heart we stand before God and so however we celebrate different holidays, it's between you and God, right? You answer for you, you answer for your family, and that's it, right? However you want to celebrate. But we do have to be careful because on the day, this day, there are people who are truly doing evil things, right? And just like it's any other day, any other day, how many of us know it's easy to get in trouble? It's easy to do the wrong thing. There's kids who are going to get their candy stolen tonight, which isn't a horrible thing because, you know, the dentist, that's a scary, another story. But there's candy that's going to be stolen tonight. There, there's going to be people who are unfortunately going to be murdered today. There's going to be horrible things that are going to happen today because it is a day where people choose to do the wrong thing and evil. And so one of the things I just want to say, Fright Night, as it's Halloween, just be careful. We have, to, we have to be safe and careful in everything that we do. And I think that today, more than ever, whether there's cops out, whether there's security, no matter where we live, if it's Hemet, Seneseno, or Newport Beach, things happen all over this world, right? They happen in Utah, they happen in Idaho, they happen here, they happen everywhere. And so as adults, we have to be careful the choices we make because the choices we make, they not only affect us, but they affect our kids and kids' friends and kids' friends. And so we have to be careful that we don't open a window. Saul in this story, he opened a window to the demonic realm because he consulted with a witch. He, he consulted with someone who wasn't, not a, not a believer, not a Christian lady, somebody who talked to spirits all the time. And so as we look at this story, I wanted to read one more verse, Matthew 12, 43. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes in the desert seeking rest, but will find none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So returns and finds its former home empty, swept and in order. The spirit finds seven other spirits more evil in itself, and they enter the person and live there. So the person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. What we don't realize sometimes, playing simple little board games sometimes, 
there's board games where people consult and they try to consult the dead and they try to see if, you know, their bodies can move and they can try to see if this will move. We don't realize that sometimes we're in our innocence, we're tapping into a world that we don't belong to. There are many teenagers today who are going to play games they shouldn't even get close to. There are board games, there are card games, there are things that are just not right. And so when we're not careful, there is a different realm than what we see. And it's not weird or spooky, even though we look around today and and we try to make it as spooky as possible. There is a real unseen world. It's called this demonic and it's this spiritual world. And there are angels and demons and we can't see them. But for us on our behalf, even in our innocence sometimes, we have to be careful because if you open the wrong window, you let something in. Sometimes just being around the wrong people opens that window. And so how many of us have seen, you know, if we have kids, how many of us have seen our kids who hang around the wrong friends and all of a sudden then our kids starts to do the wrong things? Why? Because there was an open window and we weren't protective enough and didn't realize enough until it was too late. We let our son or daughter hang out with the wrong people. And even as adults sometimes, hanging around with the wrong people leaves. When you trust your friends, when you trust certain people, you open a window because you trust them. But if there's actions in their life that aren't good, what do they do? They come into your life. Every single person that we interact with, we have to be careful that we do not open the window. We're going to get ready to close and wrap up this morning. My title again was called Knocked Over. And it was Knocked Over, the story that I shared this morning. As Jesus got to the temple, and the story that I read in the very beginning from my offering message, he was so upset and he needed to make a point. He needed to make a point. So what did he do? He got a whip. And he started getting rid of the animals and he started getting rid of all the tables and the money changers. He needed to make a point. One of my favorite verses of all times in my wife's, James 1.26 says, If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're only fooling yourself. And your religion is worthless. Pure, genuine religion in the sight of God means caring for orphans, widows, in distress, and refusing to let the world corrupt you. And so I just want to encourage you this morning. Don't let anything or anyone corrupt you. Today is a day of corruption. And today, it's not a day that we have to take part. We can make Halloween whatever we want to make Halloween, right? And it's just like Christmas. We can make Christmas however we want to make Christmas. You know, if there's Santa, if there's not Santa, if there's this, if there's that. What you choose to do, it's between you and God. But just be careful to not let, because there are things, there are spirits Don't let anything corrupt you or your family. Stand with me. We're going to close. We're going to sing a song. Jesus, um, he said to his disciples, I want you to have faith in God. And he says, I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up, thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe and happen, and that it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. He says, I can tell you. You can pray for anything. And if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. And so this morning as we close and pray, and again, trying to pick a story that was Halloween related without being too weird or spooky or crazy this morning. First off, I just want to say thank you for coming on Halloween. Our YouTube sensation, Joel, could make it. He was helping his sister move. So, But thank you that you made it this morning. Appreciate that. 
I want to see God answer your prayers. I want to see God move in your life. I want you to find God more than you ever have before. I want you to see miracles. And I want you to be able to see great and amazing things. And I want God to do so many awesome things in your life that all it does is it just sparks more faith inside of you. Jesus said this story in this last verse that he read. He says, have faith in God. Don't let fear be larger than your faith in God. Don't let anger become larger than your faith in God. Have faith in God. He says, if you have faith in God, you can speak to mountains and they'll leave. But the last thing that Jesus closes with, he says, but don't forget, if there's anyone that you don't forgive, you have to forgive them. And so this morning with our eyes closed and heads bowed, I just want to encourage you today. Sometimes in life, how many of us know that it's, for some, we like to hold grudges. For some of us, we love to hold grudges, we like to get mad, we like to be upset, and we like to be silent for days. Jesus said when you're praying, forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. If there's anybody that has got you so mad, sometimes when we're mad and, and we don't want to forgive somebody, we don't realize that we've created a prison for ourselves. Forgive. No matter what happens in this life, forgive. No matter what people do to us, forgive. We have to be Christians who forgive. God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for this day. And I pray, God, that you would just help us with our hearts this morning. God, if there's anybody who has wronged us, God, we just forgive them right now. God, if there's anyone who has said anything or stabbed us in the back, God, we forgive them right now. We pray that, God, that you would help us to deal with bitterness and sometimes unforgiveness and just let it go and to be forgiven. God, we pray this morning that you would help us this morning, that you would spark something inside of us to believe and not let fear control our lives and not let any emotion or any negative thing control our lives. God, we, we pray that, that faith in you would become the largest thing growing inside of us. God, I pray today and this week that you'd protect us, you'd keep us safe, that everywhere we go and everything that we do, God, that you would walk with us, that you would talk with us. God, I pray this morning, God, that you would provide miracles for us who are in here this morning. God, we pray that you would provide miracles. God, that you would provide healing for us this morning. God, that you would provide financially for us this morning. God, that this week that you would show us just how amazing and how awesome you are, that you move mountains on our behalfs. God, as we give you this week, we give you this day, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close with a song, so Daniel's going to make his way back up here.